my two children were younger, they used to play a little game with me all the time. Over and over again, they would ask me the simple question, would you rather? And then they would fill in the blanks. Papa, would you rather be Buzz Lightyear or Woody from Toy Story? Um, I think I'd rather be Woody because I'm kind of more old cowboy than I am Space Ranger. Oh, okay, Papa. Hey, Papa, would you rather be Princess Rapunzel or Princess Belle? Can I choose to be a prince instead of a princess? No, Papa, you have to choose one or the other. Okay, I guess I'll be Princess Belle because she likes to read and I like to read and I don't want my hair to be long. Oh, okay. Hey, Papa, would you rather be a cat or a dog? Clearly a dog because cats don't go to heaven. Papa, don't be ridiculous. Actually, I'm not being ridiculous. I'm being theological. One of the things that we discover when we play this game is that it puts a lot of things into a very sharp focus. Because you see, all of a sudden, something that feels very divergent gets put into a binary. You narrow the frame and you have to choose one way or the other. And those are, of course, silly little games that we play. But interestingly enough, that game doesn't stop in childhood. It's just that the stakes get higher. Would you rather have that job or that job? Would you rather have that career or that career? Would you rather have that friend or would you rather have that friend? Would you rather marry that person or that person? You see, we play the game, would you rather, over and over again throughout our whole life long. It's interesting, uh, I don't remember where I read it, but it's a phrase that's always stuck with me, and it says that contrast is the mother of all clarity. And in today's passage, from the ending of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus paints a series of would-you-rathers, a series of contrasts, and says that we are going to need to choose between one or the other of these things. I want you to hear these words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, and the warnings that are behind these contrasts. Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but really they are ferocious wolves, and by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, a good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. For many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out these demons and, and in your name perform these miracles? Truly I tell you, I will say to them on that day, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. For the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it did not fall because it had its foundation upon the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus was finished giving the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, as one who had power and not as one of their teachers of the law. When Jesus ends this Sermon on the Mount, he sets it up as a series of contrasts, a would you rather, this or that, this or that, this or that. And so I want to show you the four different ways that Jesus sets up the contrast. He says it like this, that you can go through the narrow gate or you can go through the wide gate. You can be good fruit or you can be bad fruit. That You can be a follower of Jesus or you can be a fan of Jesus or you can build your house on the rock or you can build your house on sand. And each of these different things corresponds with a warning, an admonition that Jesus wants to give to you. Hey, don't follow the crowd. Watch out for wolves. There's no groupies allowed here. And just do it. And so Jesus is warning against four things. Mindlessness, selfishness, shallowness, and passiveness. Jesus is saying that the storm is coming. The question is, are we ready? And in our preparations, would you rather do this or would you rather do that? Would you rather do this or would you rather do that? Recently on NPR, I read an interview of a woman who's a meteorologist who talked about the technological advances today of us being able to anticipate storms with a far greater precision than we ever have before. Storms that a generation or two before would have come out of nowhere with no warning, we now get to have maybe even a couple of days notice that these storms are coming. The interesting thing that this meteorologist talked about was that even though we now have a greater awareness that the storm is coming, when we warn communities, she say, they don't pay attention. They don't heed the warnings. And so they did some follow-up studies as to why people were not paying attention to the warnings of the storms coming. And it's because they heard the warning as a warning in general, as opposed to a warning for them and their house. These warnings that Jesus give us, they're not just general warnings. They're warnings of a storm that is coming for you and for me. And so we have some choices to make. There's some contrast in the roads that we'll walk and the fruit that we'll become, and the people that we are in relationship, and the houses that we are building our lives on. And so let's talk to some of our students to flesh out what it's like to heed these contrasts of Jesus. Let's talk to our first senior. K 
Kate Moore. Kate, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? Doing fantastic. Where are you in school right now and where are you headed to school? Right now, I go to Holy Innocence and in the fall, I will be attending Georgia Tech. Do you know what you're gonna be studying when you go to Tech? Business administration and I haven't totally decided on the concentrations and minors yet, but definitely business. Any idea what you wanna do with a business degree? Um, the world is my oyster, I guess, with that. Um, maybe consulting, maybe one day a CEO, I don't know. Can you think of a time in your life where you've had kind of a significant moment of faith? Yes, it was my summer going into my sophomore year of high school. I was at Rutledge and my counselor challenged all of the people in my cabin um, to really like go deep with God um, and kind of like feel the thin place that Rutledge is to really um, connect with him on like the deepest level you ever have and just uh, really began to talk to God that like I had never before really um, intimate conversations and it, it just never felt as real as it did then just such like raw and vulnerable communication with God to and from him. It's amazing how we go to places like that, a thin place and God pierces our souls in that place. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about this contrast of a narrow gate and a wide gate. What do you think Jesus means by these two different images? Um, well, I think, you know, as humans and we're sinful and, you know, we're not perfect as Jesus is, I think we get really attracted to the wide gate and the worldly pleasures that it offers. I mean, um, I think it's really easy to get kind of wrapped up in what we want and get too bogged down in what the world wants us to want and not seeing what Jesus wants for us. And I think that's more the narrow gate and what we're supposed to follow. So why is uh, mindlessly kind of following the crowd so dangerous? And what can you anticipate that that might be like in college? In the crowds, you can really lose a relationship with Christ because you're not, you're not devoted to it as much because you're getting so lost in um, the wide gate, what, all the stuff that's going on there. Even though the narrow road is really difficult and it's rare, how, how do you anticipate following the narrow road when you get to school? Um, definitely, I'm a routine-oriented person, so definitely making it a part of my daily life, um, getting up, doing a devotional, um, kind of like what I do now at home, but because college has a lot more freedom, just making sure that I'm really um, holding myself accountable um, in order to kind of maintain the faith that I've had for so long and, and grow it and develop into something even stronger. Kate, one more time, tell us what, what does Peachtree mean to you right now? Peachtree is a place that I can always call home. Um, they have people that reach out to me um, and that I've really connected with in relationships with them. Um, having people that really encourage me in my faith and not just um, a sermon on Sunday, but a text on Tuesday night. I think of Mary Wade and how we can um, go on walks and get coffee and kind of talk about, you know, what's going on with my data structures project at school. Um, but we can also really get into like, how's Jesus speaking to me in my day-to-day -day life? Well, if you need help with that data structures project, don't call the pastoral office, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Kate, I'm so glad that we are not sending you too far away for school, so we'll have a chance to see you. So thank you so much for the investment you've made in this church, for you, for your family, um, for the faithfulness that you've shown um, 
to my daughters. We look forward to seeing you even on Sunday mornings. Maybe, maybe at Christmas, maybe Easter. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Our second senior that we're getting to share with today is Mary Axelson. Mary, where are you at school right now and where are you headed? I attend Shambly High School currently, but I'll be going to Barry College. Fantastic. Have you any activities that you love to do kind of when you're outside your academics? Um, I'm really involved with the sports at my school and Young Life has given me like an amazing community outside of church and school. Hmm. Do you uh, know what you want to study when you get to Barry? I'm going to be studying middle grades education. So do you want to be a teacher when you're all done? Yes. Well, we need great teachers and uh, certainly wish you the best as you go uh, about your studies. Can you tell me a little bit about what Peachtree means to you? The community and the family that I have here and just the friends that I know every Sunday, no matter what Sunday it is, like I'll have friends here that I know and that are excited to see me and I'm excited to see them and just the amazing leaders that are here and really just everything about Peachtree is just so amazing and has really given me the best experience and the best church to grow up in all these years. That's wonderful. When we turn our attention to the stories that Jesus told at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the warnings, one of the contrasts, one of the images that he gives is of a wolf in sheep's clothing. What do you think Jesus means by that very shocking image? It is a very shocking image. I agree with you. And I think that he is definitely describing a person who is on the outside looks fluffy like a sheep and looks like they're nice and wouldn't ever want to hurt you, but on the inside they really don't have your best interests at heart and are doing it for the betterment of themselves, not for what's best for you. The contrast that Jesus gives uh, with this image is of good fruit and bad fruit, and that a good tree will bear good fruit and a bad tree will bear bad fruit, and so by their fruit you will recognize them. Because one of the dangers that he is kind of admonishing against is that your religious practices are just for show and it's not for what it's really supposed to be. You know, how can you kind of make sure that your religious practices aren't just for show? There have definitely been times in my life that my religious practices have been for show and those weren't exactly the highs in my life, but I think because of those it's able to be I'm able to be shown when, when my religious practices aren't just for show how much more beneficial it is and how much more sweet the fruit of that is in my life and in the lives of people around me. Well, Mary, thanks for the fruitfulness that you've demonstrated in and through Peachtree and for the incredible faithfulness that you take with you to Barry College. And uh, we're really excited to see what God will do through you. Thank you. Our third senior that we're getting to share with this morning is Brandon Bell. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself, Pastor Rich? Fantastic. Thanks for using my title. That makes me feel older. Of course. Hey, where are you in school now and where are you headed to school? Uh, right now I'm at Metro Academic Studies and I'm going to Mississippi State. Why did you decide to go to Mississippi State? Why the Bulldogs? Uh, my dad went there. I've grown up going to games there. I couldn't really picture myself anywhere else. It's where my heart is. Hey, what are you thinking about studying when you get there? I'm going to study in communications and minor in photography. That's fantastic. What has Peachtree meant to you, Brandon? Uh, Peachtree has been my home. I mean, where I've had my community. A lot of my best friends have been, what I feel like have been just given to me from God because they've come from this church. It's really helped me just walk through my life. I don't really even think I'd be the person I am today without Peachtree. There are certain defining moments and turning points that happen in all of our lives. 
Brandon, can you think of a significant turning point or defining moment in your own journey of faith? Yeah, I can. Um, one of my first, I'd say, moments where I was questioning faith, which is where I think most growth comes from, from questioning. I was at Ducktown. I was a camper. And it was the last night um, we were standing around the campfire. And I remember looking up at the stars and I was just like, why would the God that made any of that um, ever want to have a relationship with someone as sinful and broken as me? As we turn our attention to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives these warnings with a set of contrasts. And in the third contrast Jesus gives, the third warning, he talks about those who are fans of Jesus versus those who are followers of Jesus. What do, you, what do you think that contrast means? A fan would be somebody who likes the idea of God, is really only there for the high points, um, and doesn't really follow it through um, to practice faith. Um, I think a follower is somebody who really strives to have a relationship with God. Um, it isn't just there for the high moments, but even in their lows, they still have faith and they still believe that God will prevail. So Jesus has a lot of people following him. There's a lot of crowds, a lot of fans. And because he's really popular, there are a lot of people doing stuff in his name. In one of the more haunting parts of this, Jesus turns to them and says, I never knew you. Why, did, why is knowing Christ and having him know us so important? Well, I think that God really wants to have a relationship for us. And when we live our life as a Christian, but not with really practicing faith and have, being in a constant conversation with him, um, we kind of lose sight of it and we just try to do our own thing. Brandon, you and I have gotten to travel on the same tour to Israel. Was there a part of your Israel journey that was particularly meaningful to you? A huge part of my uh, Christian journey um, was in Israel. I had a really cool moment where I really got to see God's calling for me. I had a mentor that actually had a, a vision of me um, in Israel, and he wrote down what he saw me seeing on a note, and then I got to open that note in Israel. Um, and it said, you are not a tourist, you are a messenger. And I feel like God has an individual, unique calling for everyone. Um, and I truly believe that my calling is for me to be a messenger. Well, Brandon, you are so much more than a tourist. You're a pilgrim. You are a messenger. You're someone who bears witness to the goodness of Christ. And I'm so glad that you get to know him and that he gets to know you. And so thanks for sharing this part of the journey with us. Thank you, Pastor Rich. Our fourth senior that we're getting to share with this morning is Jack Hunter. Now, Jack, you're no stranger to being in front of the camera, but when you're in front of the camera, you're doing something else. What are you usually talking about? Uh, I'm usually talking about sports, so usually broadcasting live sports or reporting on sports happening at uh, my school, Westminster. Who are your favorite sports teams? I'm an Atlanta guy till I die. Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Hawks. I love them. So, Jack, where are you going to be going to school? I will be attending Washington and Lee University next year. Go Generals. Do you know what you want to be studying there? Well. Uh, the goal is to become a sports broadcaster, but I'm also pretty interested in politics and economics as well. Well, we look forward to seeing what God does uh, with that and through you. So can you tell us what Peachtree means to you? Peachtree's meant everything to me because I was baptized here, I was confirmed here, but I would say over the past two or three years uh, is when it's been the most impactful to me. I've met a lot of my really good friends at Peachtree. 
I've really looked forward to coming on Sundays. And then I've also gone on a lot of trips uh, and gone to Sunday nights and gone to a lot more events. So I let it become a larger part of my life. And it's been great for me these past few years. Has there been like a significant kind of defining moment in your journey of faith? Going into my sophomore year, I went on the uh, Costa Rica mission trip with Peachtree, and that trip was life-changing. From the incredible group of people that we went with uh, to just being, just doing service, you know, faith with works, and it really turned into something that was really impactful to me. That's a great segue to the last part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about a house that's built on sand and a house that's built on the rock. What is the contrast between those two different houses according to Jesus? Well, Jesus compares people that just listen to the word but don't put it into practice as people who put their houses on sand. And, you know, under perfect conditions, maybe a house on sand can stay there. But as we can see today, life and the weather is definitely not perfect. So when any sort of adversity, any sort of weather hits, that foundation of the house is so weak that it's just going to fall. But Jesus compares people who put their faith into practice building, as building their house on a rock foundation. So no matter what storms come, no matter what adversity comes, they will always have a good foundation and they will weather the storm. Jack James, the brother of Jesus, says that faith without works is dead. Can you think of a time in your own life where your faith felt a little bit lifeless and that you did something to activate it? Well, I can think of a recent example. So I'm really busy at school from doing academics to playing baseball to doing WCAT. So oftentimes I just, I don't intentionally forget God, but it seems like when I go to the Friday morning fellowships, the FCAs, the church, it kind of feels like stuff is coming in one ear and coming out the other ear. So finally at a Friday morning fellowship, I realized this and I, I was like, how do I fix this? So I felt kind of called all of a sudden to speak at FMF. And I'd never done this before. So I had no idea where this came from. and. That process of the next two or three weeks, trying to figure out what I was gonna speak, led me to writing a lot more, reading a lot more, listening to people a lot more. And it, that process just grew me closer to my faith because when you speak and you give that message, you have to believe in it. So can you think of anything specifically that you wanna to try to do when you get to college about building your faith on the rock as opposed to sand? going to a college that's not a religious college or going away from Peachtree, I'm going to have to really try and seek out community there. And also just individually having a relationship with God, you know, making sure I'm reading the Bible before I go to class or praying and just establishing a good routine. So just establishing community, but also establishing a good individual relationship with God. So I have a, a good foundation when the circumstances change. Well, that's the right foundation to build on. And Jack, we're Really happy for you, excited for you. Congratulations, and we look forward to seeing what God does in and through you. Thank you.